Welcome to the Sister Sunday School class at Anchor Bible Church in Hull, Georgia. My name is Sharon Black. I am temporarily teaching this class. Miss Jan Tyner is the normal teacher. Um, just for a few weeks to share this information that's just a particular passion area with me. And um, that would be Christianity versus World Religions. So this is session two. Um, we're actually, we've had um, four lessons in our actual Sunday school class. I'm combining some things just because uh, for the purposes of the podcast. But we're going to start looking at the world religions with Christianity because we need to know what we believe so that we can compare what others believe to what we already know. So I'm using a couple of curriculum sources for this course in addition to God's Word, of course. Um, Understanding the Times, a survey of competing worldviews by Jeff Myers and David Noble from Summit Ministries in Colorado, and another book called Biblical Worldview, What It Is, Why It Matters, and How to Shape the Worldview of the Next Generation by Josh Mulvihill of Renew a Nation, which is his ministry in Virginia. There will be other books I'm going to mention along the way, and I encourage you as we go, there are going to be some books that I mention I want to encourage you to build your Christian library because these are all good resources that I'll mention. They're very solid and and, and trusted authors. So as we go through this study, I'm going to encourage you to take some notes. Um, In the class itself, I've been giving the ladies fill-in-the-blank notes, but I'm also encouraging everyone to have a journal. And at the end of each session, I'm going to give you just some thought questions, and you don't have to answer the ones I give you. You may just want to journal your own thoughts and reactions as we go through. But um, I encourage you to um, to journal this. And also, I'm giving you a memory verse each week. And as we get older, and you know, I'm I'm getting up there myself, and it's harder and harder to memorize than it was when we were younger. But I encourage you to write these verses down and put them in places where you'll see them. And just constantly let's hide God's word in our hearts because that's part of being prepared to defend our faith. So last week's memory verse was Colossians 2.8. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental forces of the world, and not based on Christ. Colossians 2.8. We have to be prepared and we have to know God's word and we have to know what we believe in order to face the very powerful worldviews that are permeating our culture and that are affecting our young people, our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews, the the people that we mentor. So I encourage you to put that verse on your steering wheel, on your bathroom mirror. That is last week's verse. I'm going to be giving you another one for this week. So I'm going to do a little quick review, and then we're going to move on with this week. We're going to look at Christianity and what that worldview uh, entails. Of course, you already know if you're a believer and you're listening to this, but I want to challenge you to, to go a little deeper. So the goals for this course, we want to recognize the patterns and ideas to see them for what they are when we are confronted with them. The world is full of ideas and there are patterns to these worldviews that we're going to be looking at. I want to be able to equip parents, grandparents, aunts, mentors with answers. Um, I want to help children and young people, the next generation, to develop a Christian worldview and a saving faith in Jesus. So those are our goals for this study. They're not for us just to be know-it-alls and argumentative people with people who don't believe what we do. But we do want to be ready to give an answer. We have a responsibility 
And so I want to challenge those of you who are in the faith. And if you if you are not a believer and you're listening, please just come along with us and just see what we're all about. And um, if you have questions, my husband's email is on this podcast. He's the pastor of the church, Barry at AnchorBible.org. And you can send him an email and ask any questions you like. And he'll be happy to respond to you. And he can let me know also if you send questions. So just a reminder from last week, the statistic that I mentioned that 70 to 88 percent of children raised in church, youth group and Christian homes leave church within two years after high school graduation and most never return. We are going to be looking at why that is. But one of the biggest reasons is that the worldviews permeating our public school system, and I am a public school teacher, so I can speak to that on a on a real life basis, um, personal experience. And then also the worldviews that are permeating our college system are godless worldviews. And I want to address those and show you that our Christian young people are going into these environments and they're not knowing how to defend their faith and they're, they're losing hope. They're, they're feeling that their faith is not valid and they don't know what, what to think. And a lot of them just give up. So we're going to be looking at that as we go. Last week I told you that thinking people ask these big questions and others in life. They ask, where did we, the universe, humans, come from? How should we live? What is the purpose of life? What happens when we die? Can we know what is true or not true? What is good or bad or just or unjust? Every worldview attempts to answer these questions. And they all have different answers. So, again, a worldview is a pattern of ideas, beliefs, convictions, and habits that help us to make sense of God, the world, and our relationship to God and the world. And that um, definition was taken from Dr. David Noble's book, Understanding the Times, which is one of the sources for this class. A pattern of ideas, beliefs, convictions, and habits that help us to make sense of God, the world, and our relationship to God and the world. And, of course, as Christians, our pattern is, is God's pattern. We, we look at Romans 12, 1 and 2 for that. But we're going to be looking at these patterns that come from the different major worldviews. So the, the first one is Christianity, and that's the one we'll be looking at today. Two billion people worldwide claim to be Christians. Two billion people. Now, um, there are other sources. If you've read Unchristian um, from the Barna Group, they claim that fewer than 15% of Americans are truly born-again believers. We'll talk about that at another time. But um, 2 billion people on planet Earth claim to be Christians. Um, the second worldview is Islam. And 1.6 billion people worldwide adhere to the beliefs of Islam. Um, that is not something I learned much about growing up because it was kind of one of those religions way over there in the Middle East and it didn't seem to have any impact on us. And we know now that that is not the case. We have a very large Muslim population in the United States. Of course, after 9-11, it's become more well-known and um, we have a number of world governments, uh, including leaders in Canada and Britain and France. Um, so... It's a growing world religion, and we need to understand what they believe and why it's growing so quickly and, and what is the draw there. Um, 
The third one we're going to look at is new spirituality. If you're a little bit older, you might have heard the term the New Age movement. Um, the newer term for that is new spirituality. Um, millions of Americans adhere to that particular worldview, and it includes um, a softer version of Hinduism or Buddhism. It includes meditation, auras, chakras, crystals. I'm sure you've heard some of those, even if you've had a, a yoga class in the last few years. So um, we're going to look at new spirituality. We're going to look at secularism. Secular humanism has infiltrated our public school system. It is the, the worldview, the, probably one of the predominant worldviews taught in public school. So it's something we need to look at because it has had an impact on our academics, both at the high school and college level especially. Then we're going to look at Marxism. Marxism, 20% of our world still lives under a communist or Marxist rule. We need to understand that worldview. It has an impact on 20% of the world's population, and it is a worldview. Then the last one we're going to look at is something called postmodernism. You might have heard that word in terms of art or literature or maybe even music, but postmodernism is a worldview that is really quite dark and disturbing, um, and it has infiltrated the United States very, in a very strong way. So we'll be looking at all six of these worldviews, but let's start today with, um, with Christianity. As I said last week, ideas, they spread like viruses. Um, there was a study in Yale that I mentioned in the class last week um, where the professor found or the researcher found that ideas spread exactly the same way viruses do. And during this cold and flu season, we can relate to that. But according to him, if you prepare people and you say, hey, there are some bad ideas out there and here's what they are, then if you inoculate them, you say, here is the truth, here are the correct ideas, and then you prepare them with refutation, how to defend the good ideas against the bad ideas, that those populations had a better response to the bad ideas. Um, so you can take that for what it's worth. It does come from Yale. So it feels very overwhelming. Let's say you're a grandparent and you're sitting on the sofa and you're watching a TV show with your grandchild and they, there's some horrible non-Christian unbiblical idea and your five-year-old is sitting beside you and you need to respond to that idea. Either stop the video and comment or they ask you a question we have to be prepared. It feels very overwhelming to think of all the crazy ideas out there and how to explain to a child or a grandchild, what is this? So that's one of the reasons for this study is I want you to start to recognize the patterns. There are patterns to all of these worldviews, and we're going to um, try to make sense of them. So as we get started, there's a bumper sticker you may have seen on cars. It just drives me crazy, um, and you may have noticed it. The one that says coexist, but it uses symbols from all the different world religions, and the implication of the bumper sticker is, why can't we all just get along? And I showed the ladies in class, um, there's a, a tract that Barry found that has coexist, and then it shows you that the C is the Islam symbol, and the O is the um, peace sign, pacifism. And then the E is gay rights. And then the, um, the X is the 
Star of David, Judaism, and then the I is paganism, and then the um, S is Taoism. It shows the yin and the yang to make the S, and then the T in coexist is Christianity. And then there's a little blurb underneath it that says um, how all of these can't get along and don't um, are intolerant of one another, but the whole bumper sticker is aimed at Christianity, and Christianity is the only one that doesn't pose a threat to all the other ones. And I thought that was really uh, powerful. But um, the reason we can't all get along is that everyone can't be right. There can't be multiple truths. There's either truth or untruth. And that's where we want to go today. Um, we want to look at what is the truth? What do we believe? What do Christians believe? And then let's compare those other things to Christianity. So um, a discussion question that I threw out to the ladies in class on Sunday this past week was when someone says, I'm a Christian, what does that mean? I just mentioned two billion people claim to be a Christian but what does that really mean when they claim to be a Christian? Does that mean that they have a saving faith in Jesus Christ and that they believe the Bible is God's word? What does that mean? And in class, answers were given such as, you know, they just think that means being a good person. There are lots of people that believe that Christ was a good teacher and a moral person and that he had an impact on the world. And so they adhere to his teachings, but they don't necessarily... Um, have full buy-in, so to speak. So um, we talked about when you go to a funeral and someone says, oh, he was a Christian man, he was a good Christian man, or she was a good Christian woman. We don't really know what that means sometimes, especially in the South. We have a tendency to use that to mean a good person when that's not what being a Christian really is. So today as we look at Christianity, one of the questions I'll be asking is, what do you have to believe? What is it that makes us Christians? What is a Christian? So we'll talk about that. So your memory verse this week is 1 Peter 3.15. In the King James it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is within you, with meekness and fear. And one thing that um, I've heard Barry say before is that meekness is not weakness. Meekness doesn't mean that we're doormats. It just means that we're respectful and that we're gentle. Um, the NIV puts it this way. Excuse me, I have a little bit of a froggy throat this week, so you might hear me take a drink here and there. Um, the NIV says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. We talked about that last week. So there's another verse. Write it out on a card. Stick it on your bathroom mirror. Um, actually, I take a whiteboard marker and write on my bathroom mirror. Um, that's been a common practice of mine for many years. So you may want to do that because without my glasses on, I can't see handwriting very well. So 1 Peter 3.15. Make sure that you work on that verse this week. So, as we move forward into these different worldviews and we look at Christianity today, I want to mention this. Um, there are basically 10 academic disciplines in college, you know, outside of the, the mathematics and the hard sciences. These are sort of the humanities side of, of academia. And they are theology, psychology, ethics, politics, law, history, biology, 
philosophy, sociology, and economics. And as we go through the a look at each worldview, we're going to see that um, each one has very different take on these subjects. Um, these are the things that, you know, your kids set maybe the theology part of it, the things your kids are learning in high school and college and, and from these different worldviews we're going to, we're going to see, um, but I will just go ahead and tell you on the front end that our bias is the Christian worldview explains all of these things the best and has answers and, um, a study in each area of these academic disciplines that's much stronger if you include the Christian worldview. So, before we go there, this is something else we talked about in Sunday school this past week. What do you do when you are talking to someone about Christianity, about your faith, and they don't believe that the Bible is God's word? They don't believe that it's true. How can we know what is true if we can't talk to them from the foundation of Scripture? Obviously, we we have that foundation, but how do we talk to someone who does not have that same worldview when we talk about truth? So I found this in Dr. Noble's and, and Dr. Meyer's book, Understanding the Times. This is a great thing. It's called The Truth Test. And this was in the fill-in-the-blank notes for the ladies. You may have to jot it down if you're just hearing this on the podcast. But there are four things that you can... can um, use as a test to know whether something is true. The first one is, it's the test of reason. Can it be logically stated and defended? For example, I could say, I don't believe in gravity. Well, does it pass the test of reason? I'm going to go walk off this building and I don't believe in gravity, but gravity's going to take hold of me anyway and pull me to the ground and I'm going to go splat. So it does not um, reason, it does not pass the test of reason. So I can say I don't believe in gravity all day long, but the bottom line is gravity's still there anyway. So the test of reason doesn't play out with that belief. So it doesn't pass the test of reason. All right, so number two is the test of the outer world. Is there some external corroborating evidence to support that belief or that statement? For example, um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is so much historical evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. I mentioned in class um, Josh McDowell. And if you don't have a copy of one or more of his books in your Christian library, you really need to get them. Um, one really great book, which I think I gave away a couple copies in class, More Than a Carpenter. It's a small paperback, not very expensive if you want to get some extras on Amazon. But Josh McDowell started out as a, as a journalist to prove that Jesus, that Christianity was a bunch of bunk and that, that all of that was, was big fake. And instead, the more he researched, the more he became convinced that Jesus must have risen from the dead because there was so much evidence he couldn't get around it. So um, Lee Strobel is another one, The Case for Christ. Um, Josh McDowell's written other books, A Ready Defense and um, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And it's a very thick volume and, a, and not an easy read, but he gathered all that evidence together. He became a Christian through his research. Um, 
but the resurrection of Christ has tons of historical um, evidence. So that would be an example of a, a belief or a statement that does pass the test of the outer world. Is there external corroborating evidence to support it? The next test for truth, the truth test, you have the test of reason. Can it be logically stated and defended? Then you have the test of the outer world. Is there some external corroborating evidence to support it? Then number three, the test of the inner world. Does it adequately address the human experience and our feelings? For example, there are belief systems out there, at least there used to be, that they sacrificed babies to idols. They lit them on fire or threw them in rivers and, and or in pits and offered their babies. We have an innate sense that that is morally repugnant. That is a horrible thing. I can't imagine anybody standing there not being moved by a baby screaming. The test of the inner world, my conscience, my very makeup as a human being rejects that. That cannot be a good thing. It cannot be a right thing. So that act of sacrificing a baby does not pass the test of the inner world. That's a very extreme example. But there are other things in our culture that do not pass the test of the inner world. They don't. Now, there are some scriptures about our consciences being seared after a time, and there are things going on in our culture at the risk of not becoming political in the study at this moment anyway. Um, there are things happening in our culture, and people have become so desensitized that now to think what is wrong is considered right and what is right is considered wrong We've, we've gotten our consciences seared to the point that maybe this test of the inner world may not always work. Um, and then there is the fourth test, and that is the test of the real world. Are its consequences good or bad when applied in any given cultural situation? For example, we will be looking at the worldview of Marxism and communism. Um, Nazism would fall under that. When those ideas are played out in the real world, do they have good consequences? There is not a, not a country that has ever been under those forms of government and those philosophical worldviews <clears throat> that have had good results. They've all had terrible results, and millions of people have died because of those ideas. So when they are played out in the real world, they don't pass the truth test. So the first one, the test of reason, can it be logically stated and defended? The second one, the test of the outer world, is there some external corroborating evidence to support it? Number three, the test of the inner world, does it adequately address the human experience and our feelings? <clears throat> and number four, the test of the real world, are its consequences good or bad when applied in any given cultural situation? Now let's look at truth from God's perspective. Truth exists. It is real. It is not determined by an individual or a majority consensus. Truth exists whether a person believes it or not. Um, I'm going to give you some scripture references. I'm not going to have time to read them all. I'm going to try to keep us in a 30-minute parameter here. But um, <clears throat> Psalm 119, 160 is a good, a good verse to go with that. 
And then truth is knowable. John 8.32 You should know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Jesus assumed we could know truth. Um, All truth comes from God and bears witness to Him. Truth is eternal. It does not change. It is not created. Matthew 24.35 Best of all, truth is a person. In the person of Jesus Christ, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And finally, the Bible is our final authority on truth, 1 Thessalonians 5, 21. So the Christian worldview rests squarely on the person of Jesus Christ. John Stott, a theologian, said, Christ is the center of Christianity. All else is circumference. So, as I close just this lesson, I'm keeping it a little bit shorter today. Um, when you are talking to someone who doesn't share your worldview, if you're a believer in Christ, in addition to those four um, components of the truth test that I just shared with you, the fifth one for us is Jesus Christ. What will you do with Jesus Christ? Um, many of the cults that will come to the door and want to talk to you, and they claim to be Christian. They don't believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son. They don't believe that um, He is equal with God. There are flaws in their theology when it comes to Jesus Christ, and they'll want to get you off on these other topics. But you keep them focused on Jesus when you're talking to them, if you choose to engage them in a conversation. According to a George Barna survey, 63% of teens agreed that Muslims, Buddhists, Christians, Jews, and all other people pray to the same God, even though they use different names for God. Guys, that is a an unbiblical idea, and we have to get away from that because those other religions do not believe that Jesus is God's Son. So we have to focus our, our, um, our faith And we focus our answers and we keep the conversation centered on Jesus Christ because he's the most important reason that we have the faith that we do. Um, We're going to be talking a good bit about um, general revelation, special revelation. We're going to dig a little bit deeper into what exactly do Christians believe. And we're going to list it out and, and say, what are these things that we have to believe in order to be a Christian? And if you don't believe these things, you're not a Christian. We're going to deal with that next week. Um, So just want to refresh your memory. 1 Peter 3.15, write it down. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. That's 1 Peter 3.15 in King James. 1 Peter 3.15 in NIV. But in your hearts... Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So last week I asked you to journal your reaction to your survey results. Um, Now those of you who are listening by podcast, if you did not take the survey, I need to find a way to give you the link. I'm not really sure how to do that unless you send Barry an email. But um, there's a survey you can take to see kind of what your ideas are. And I won't see who answered the survey or what your results are. You're the only one who will see that. But um, the ladies in our class took it, and we had some very surprising results. Not everybody had 100% Christian ideas about everything. 
Um, so this week, based on the discussion so far, are you sure you're a Christian? How can you know? If you're not a believer, what is the sticking point for you and what's holding you back? And it may just be that you want to journal some thoughts of your own. Maybe you've had a chance to share your faith recently and you felt very unprepared or you felt that you couldn't defend your faith. Or maybe you have a child or a grandchild or a niece or a nephew who's really struggling with um, the bigger picture, the bigger ideas. And they've been raised in church, but you see them in, uh, doubting and you're concerned and you want to pray for them. So just journal some of these thoughts as you go through. And um, I hope someday I'll get to hear about some of them. Or if you come to our class in person, I hope you'll share some of your thoughts. But I encourage you to journal your journey. And I encourage you to hide God's word in your heart. And I hope that you'll um, check the podcast next week. When we look at part two of Christianity, what do you have to believe to be a Christian And if you don't believe those things, you cannot possibly be a Christian. We'll look at those next week. So until then, God bless you, and I'll see you next week.